When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's the Monday show with myself, Andrew Muscove and Aaron Stokes. I'm back, ladies and gents. I'm sure you all missed me, but with Aaron in the driving seat. I listened to the episodes and they were they were all right. How are we doing, Aaron? You well? Yeah, I'm good. Honestly, we've just been inundated with fan mail at Chronicle Towers. People begging and pleading for me to become the permanent host. But personally, I'd just like to say it's good to have you back in the driving seat. And I've, I've missed you, even if the listeners might not have. Too kind, too kind. Uh, you guys are well aware that I've had a little baby. I've been on paternity leave. So this is my first day back. I've just in- introduced Aaron there to little Harriet off camera. Um, yes, very proud of her. She's she's lovely. Yeah, she's she's a little better already. So we'll have to get her on to the podcast at some point and introduce her to the audience. Um, as usual with Newcastle United, there is loads to talk about. So to you guys watching live on YouTube or on Facebook, do drop into the comments. We've got loads of questions as well over on Twitter, or X as it's now called. I mean, things are changing daily. I mean, it's ridiculous. But yes, on that social media platform, we've got a few questions to ask as well. We'll start with a brief kind of look back, Aaron, at last night's game. Newcastle United 3, Aston Villa 3 in Philadelphia. I'll admit, I got half-time and then went to bed and had to get up and feed uh, the newborn, so I came down for 20 minutes and did that and then went back to bed again. I was just, I was too tired. And it, I mean, it, it was an entertaining game, but not one that I was really too bothered about staying up for. But then I'm not a fan of preseason. What did you take from it? I think you did very well, to be fair, to last the first 45 minutes because I think a lot of people would have switched off after 11 or 12 minutes when that second Aston Villa goal went in. Um, look, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of preseason. I don't think it really tells you a lot. I know we all, like to sort of zoom in and try and work out, you know, is how trying someone new out or is this player going to do X? I don't know. It's it's a little bit hit and miss, but um, very poor from Newcastle in the first opening 15. But then again, they did fight back very well in the um, sort of last stage of the first half. And and it was sort of an even game apart from those little sort of minuscule periods where uh, either side sort of had the, had the um, you know, the majority of the chances. So, Good run out for the boys. I think those conditions look very testing. You could tell that, you know, the heat was clearly getting to them. Um, you know, a lot of red faces and a lot of tired players come off the pitch. But just, you know, some a lot of positives to take, I think, not just from last night's game, but the first three games of the preseason so far. I think we're starting to see, you know, some real standout performance from those games. Yeah, well, Lee Wright obviously is over in the States and he sent a video over reflecting on the game. And he said, Eddie Howe just wants to see players staking their claim. And he felt... Eddie Howe would have seen that last night. Uh, I guess to do that, you have to maybe look past the defensive errors. And and that's where we'll need to start, really, before we talk about the players who stood out, is let's start with how Newcastle found themselves two goals down within 11 minutes and to two goals that were pretty much the same, really. You know, straight through the middle. Tenali got brushed off for the first one. And um, Aston Villa kind of just walked the ball in the back of the net. And it's pre-season and you don't want to look too much into it. But 
I think Eddie Howe, even though he's experimenting with three at the back, I think he'll be very disappointed in the way they conceded those two goals. Yeah, they, they were poor goals to concede, sloppy at the back. They looked, you know, all at sea. Too easy, you know, to lose the ball in midfield to Nali, especially for that um, second one or, or the, the first one. Um, and yeah, uh, those first 11 minutes, you know, for the, the the few people that were up and talking about it on social media, there was a little bit of, is this three at the back with Trippier and Dummett as centre-backs? I didn't really know what was going on. Um, and how sort of came out at full time and said that, you know, these are the times that you need to be making these, you know, unusual calls. These are the times you need to be sort of experimenting rather do it then than, you know, do it in a Premier League game or, you know, further, you know, closer towards the start of the season. Um, but I can't say that three at the back filled me with much uh, hope. I don't think it's probably the way that they're going to go going forward um, unless they can significantly, you know, hone, hone that tactic. Um, they did get better as the game went on, but as you say, two very sloppy goals to start the game. And I think, um, yes, it's pre-season and yes, the players are probably a bit leggy, but how won't be happy with that? Did you find it slightly strange that they were experimenting with that three at the back with Paul Dummett rather than, you know, Jamal Lascelles or, or, or Sven Bottom? Because we haven't seen Paul Dummett in, in, in months. We know he signed that new deal. But in terms of actual playing time, he's, he's not been involved uh, much at all. So then to throw him in, again, it's pre-season, but throw him in, you've got the heat, you've got a, an experiment within the formation. It, it just seems slightly strange to me. Did, I mean, how would you read his involvement? Because if you are experimenting, then surely you play the three that you would play there on a regular basis? Yeah, I, I think what we can take from that decision, I think, you know, mainly it was minutes in the legs for Dummett, who, as you say, hasn't had much game time. He's overcome, you know, a string of injuries. He can't seem to stay fit for more than five minutes. So I think just the fact that he's fit and raring to go, you know, how probably wanted to start him. I think, you know, number two, I think, yes, how was experimented with this new lineup and three at the back, but I don't think, you know, we can look at that team and think that that's the team that's going to start against Aston Villa when the Premier League comes on. I think that was more just a case of, Let's get minutes in the legs of players that need it. Um, I mean, you know, the fact they made nine changes pretty much after half time sums up the fact that it was pretty much just a an exhibition and a, and a training match for how. Um, but it'll be interesting now to see against Chelsea and against Villa, um, sorry, against Brighton and then against Fiorentina and Villarreal in the, in the Stella Cup, whether he sticks with this three at the back or whether they revert to the four and we see, you know, Botman alongside Cher and Trippier and, and Burn, you know, which at the minute it looks like it's going to be if they can't get any more signings over the line. Um, so I think we'll know more in the next couple of weeks. Jordy Tune for Life says um, he hopes he never sees the formation again. And it is interesting. I mean, why do you think he is, Eddie Howe has taken it upon himself to experiment? I mean, it's always important to have a plan B and a plan C when things aren't working because the good thing about an Eddie Howe side is that he is adaptable to the opposition that he's playing. So that maybe plays some part to it. But for the large part of last season, he stuck, you know, regimentally to the same formation. So why is he why is he looking to change it? You know, it's that old saying, isn't it? If 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 it ain't fixed, why if it ain't broken rather, why why fix it? Yeah, I think if it had been any other manager, it probably wouldn't have been so much sort of scrutiny put on the fact he went three at the back. But because of Teddy Howe, who religiously sticks to this 4-3-3, he hasn't wavered once at Newcastle, despite the fact that 
You know, I mean, how much pressure was there on him last season to play two up top with Elak and Wilson both in form? And he just doesn't he doesn't buy into the clamour from the outside. Um and, and as Sam Mulner saying here in the comments, I would be surprised if we actually see that in a competitive game going forward. But you know, they're going into the Champions League, they're fighting on four fronts this season. As you say, they probably do need a plan B when um things aren't working. The, the formation that we saw last night with those wing backs playing very, very high up the pitch, you know, Conti's played it a lot, Guardiola's played it a lot. And and as House said, now's the time to try and now's the time to experiment. If it doesn't work in the next couple of games, bin it off. But I think if this team can actually get into the rhythm of it and you know, we add a little bit more pace at the back and the wing backs start to really be utilized in the way how probably wants them to, then Maybe it is a good, you know, plan B going forward. But it it it, it did look very unfamiliar last night to the players. If you're watching live on YouTube, please hit the thumbs up button. That just helps the show get out to a wider audience. And I'm going to pop a link into the comments for the British Podcast Awards. If you could uh, vote for the Everything Is Black and White podcast, in that would really would appreciate it. And um, I'll pop that into the comments now. Um, on the the team hour that started last night. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about the potential of a new left-back. The fact that, in the view of many people in Newcastle United, need a new left-back. Dan Byrne did excellent, but he's not an out-and-out left-back. And he'll get found out, not just against the good sides in the Premier League, but in Europe, you know, it's going to be a difficult season for him, is the view of some. Matt Target, is he up the scratch? But we have seen a lot of Matt Target, um, you know, in, in, in the, what, the three kind of games um, that they've played in, in pre-season. And, and I'm just wondering, do you think, given that the strongest link to a fullback has been Liv Romendo from Southampton, who we think Newcastle are still very keen to get this deal done, there hasn't really been a left back, um, you know, put forward. Now, Kieran Trippier can switch, you know, Liv Romendo can play both wings, but he's stronger, you know, obviously as a right back. Do you think Matt Target is going to be given a fair chance? And actually, if he's fit, he's good enough to be Newcastle's first team left back. It's a big couple of weeks for Matt Target because before his injury, he hadn't really put a foot wrong for Newcastle United and now all of a sudden he's came back into the team and he's sort of looked on not as favourably as he once was. You know, a lot of people now and pretty much the majority of the fans would want to see Dan Byrne there. I don't think Target really did any favours last night, um, mainly because of the formation. I think it just didn't suit him. Um but Howe's clearly been trying something new and Howe's maybe trying, you know, to give target minutes and the fact that if Newcastle are really struggling to get a left-back in this summer, he knows Matt Target is going to have to be the backup and Dan Byrne is going to have to be the starter. Now, there's still a long way to go and I think this, you know, St Maximum going is going to open a lot of doors for Newcastle United financially and I think once Maxi is out the door, we will start to see a real acceleration for some of these defensive targets. We know they like Livermento, but I think he's seen you know more as a as a right back. You know, Livermento and Trippier can both play left back, but how was so far resisted the temptation to actually use Trippier out there? Um, so I still think a proven left back's needed. I think how knows that. I don't think the plan's really changed. But if Newcastle struggle as as let's be honest, they have been so far in this window, they need Burn and Target fighting fit for the start of the season just to make sure that they're they're well covered in that position. Jamal Lewis, don't forget Jamal Lewis. We've got um, F Manny is saying we're still short of a proven left, but that is where the focus needs to be. You've got Philip saying target looked solid in a proper left back position when we went to a back four. 
he looked lost at wing back. That's what Aaron was saying. Good to see you back, Andrew. Thank you very much, Philip. Um, yeah, for me, I, I think because we know even though even with St. Maxman going, Newcastle's still going to have to be really clever when it comes to transfers. Now, if you're going to go and sign a left back, you're going to want him to be first choice and that's then going to cost money. You know, people know that I'm a big fan of um, yeah, Henry from, from Brentford, but he's not going to be a, be a cheap option. There'll be other options about who are going to cost you 30, 40 million. Newcastle just won't have that in the lockout to spend, especially if they're going to sign uh, Livermento later in the window. So maybe... Maybe you, you you take a hit, for want of a better phrase, and you say to my target and Dan Byrne, you two are going to battle it out until at least January. You know, let's get you going against each other, step up and 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 and, and prove that you can be part of this first team beyond January and, and you know into the next couple of seasons. Yeah, look, let's be honest. If if we're sat here in a month's time or you know six weeks' time and the window is just about to close and Newcastle haven't got a new left back in, there will be a lot of disappointment among the fan base. Fans, you know, at the start of the season, sorry, at the start of the summer, all said left back was such a big priority, you know, more important than right back, more important than a new centre back. But let's not forget Dan Boom was part of the meanest defence last season. He looks settled in this team. He's, he looks very comfortable in a back four. I think he's had quite a good pre-season as well. Um, maybe borrowing the first 20 minutes at Gateshead. And Matt Target, as I've said earlier, he's hardly put a foot wrong in this team. Yes, he's not flashy and he's not maybe, you know, the perfect solution, but he's looked comfortable in an anyhow team. Um, I think he's a perfectly good backup. I don't think we should really write him off yet. Um, but I think Newcastle should be prepared for it. If, if they haven't signed a left back in a month's time, I think fans will be a little bit concerned, but I don't know if they, if they really need to be. The mighty win says he summed it up perfectly, Andrew. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. What about Jamal Lewis? Now, he played against Rangers, and it again, it was a bit of a bizarre one. Every time he he, go, he, he had the ball in a position where a natural winger would just cross it, he looked so uncomfortable. Uh, not that like he was stepping over lava. He didn't, it just didn't look right. And I'm just wondering again, what's happening there? Because he's clearly a talented player. It hasn't worked out for him. But is playing him in that position that, that he did against Rangers, really helping him. I, I, I didn't quite understand why he started, you know, essentially as a left winger, really. He was so far up the line, it was so attacking. He just, he did, it just didn't look natural. And I just think, do you think the door's closed for him? Will Newcastle be trying to push him out? Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's the end of the road for Lewis. I think how, you know, to his credit, has tried to give Jamal Lewis a bit of time to refine his fitness, refine his form, fight for his place in this team. And I think when you can't even be the club's third choice left back behind Paul Dummett, I think it's, you know, the writing's pretty much on the wall. I think it's telling that we didn't see Lewis involved last night. I think, you know, there's a few championship clubs like Watford and Swansea that are sniffing around him. Um, and, I, and I think it's only a matter of time before we see him go. And it's a, it is a shame in one sense because he's signed with so much um fanfare and you know fans really thought Steve Bruce got a really good deal getting him after Liverpool wanted him. Um but he just hasn't been able to stay fit and, and ultimately I think it's I think it's time to go. Yeah it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Um do you think he'll go cash permanent deal or do you think it'll be a loan deal with a with a view to a permanent move? I think you know Watford at the moment are, are looking for a loan deal. I don't think Newcastle would bark at that. I don't think you're gonna get too much in the way of cash from him. I think it's just about getting bodies out the door and, and sort of off the wage bill temporarily if, if needed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let's look at then the midfield that started yesterday. Tonali and Bruno was kind of the the experiment. Obviously, uh, the question is, will they be the, the centre pairing? Obviously, you've got long staff working back from from an injury of Joe Linton, Willick. You know, there's a real abundance of options for Eddie Howe. And I've got to say, I, I, yesterday I thought Tonali looked. I'm going to say a little bit off the pace, but it's not like a an insult to him. I just feel. He kind of it was an introduction to the Premier League. You know, you know, this is the pace. You know, both teams were going for it, and John McGinn and and, and um, uh, Renda in the middle for Villa, who had a stormer, were, were really good. And Tonali struggled. Obviously, he's getting up to to his standard, and there's no doubt that he's going to be a fantastic player. But I did feel, especially for the first two goals, the amount of space in that middle. In a way, that's what preseason's for, isn't it? Because you're going to take these games to try and get the likes of Bruno and Tonali singing off the same hymn sheet. Yeah, absolutely. We, we can't look too too close into that. I mean, it was only three or four days ago that we were all singing that Tonali was the best signing we've ever made because of his open 45 minutes at Gated where he had a real storm. I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think it's an introduction to the Premier League. There's plenty of caveats, you know, hot conditions. He's playing with players that he's never played with before. You know, he's playing in a double pivot alongside Bruno, who, you know, has never had to share that defensive midfield role with anyone. Um, and he could, could have just had an off night. I think there's plenty of plenty of caveats and, and excuses you can throw his way. Um, he'll be straight, he'll strip fitter for this preseason in America. He'll get used to knowing his teammates. Um, he'll get up to speed with his English. We know that he's having lessons with an English teacher um, behind the scenes. We can't read too much into it. You know, he didn't have a very good game against um, against Villa last night, but he had a stormer against Rangers. So I think we just need to let him settle in um, before we look too, too closely at him. But I think, again, last night it was an experiment that was a bit unusual, playing two sitting midfielders. I know you, you sort of have to when you play wing-back so far up the pitch like you did with um, Murphy and Target. But another interesting call from how I thought in the middle of the park. Yeah, JB there says for 20 minutes tonight, he looked like he had no studs in his boots. Um, but again, I, I imagine the message will be to the squad, don't worry about the result, the performance. This is where we work our fitness up. This is where we try, as you've said, Aaron, new things and we just see what, what works and what, what, what doesn't. Um, and, you know, be ready for that first game of the season against Aston Villa. Um, we saw Joe Linson getting involved Um you know, he looked like his old self. You know, a bit of a, a bit of a unit causing a bit of chaos in the middle. It's going to be really interesting, isn't it? Come that first game of the season against Aston Villa at St James's Park, who 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 is playing in the midfield? I mean, I think it will be the same formation that we've seen throughout the majority of last season, with that kind of three across the middle. So Bruno is in. The question is. Who else is? There? I mean, you would assume to not, and you're not going to spend all that money and leave him on the bench, and then it's. Is it Willick? Is it Longstaff? Is it Joe Linton? I mean, this, this is why preseason is so important for, for many players because they're going to have to really showcase why they deserve that final spot. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it was it was worth staying up last night just to see Joe Linton absolutely laying into some 18-year-olds as if it was a cup final game, never mind a pre-season game. You'll never, ever change, really. But um, I, I think you make a great point. I think Bruno, you know, every single day is going to be on the team sheet. You've spent so much money on Tonali, who is going to improve this team. Joe Linton now is facing, you know, I wouldn't say a battle because, you know, he also is another one on the on the team sheet. But as you say, Longstaff, Willick, Elliot Anderson is really banging on that door. Um, I think the one positive for Joe Linton is that he, he's proven he can play in the middle three or he can move out to the left. I mean, I know we weren't sitting that 12 months ago, but the last couple of months he's really shown that he can um, play out on the left. But again, you've now got Barnes out there. You've now got Anderson out there. You've now got Gordon out there. Isaac could play there. There's a real, real competition for places, not just in the middle of the park, but in the attacking three spots at the back. It, it, this is what Howe wants. And I think we're a month into the transfer window. Howe wants more, he needs more. We could be sat here in a month's time when the Premier League season started, you know, having close to two strong starting 11s that can interchange, which is exactly what you need when you're playing in the Champions League. And John says the midfield will be Joe Linton, Bruno and Tenali. Uh, with Miggy Wright and Bonds on the left, we've got uh, Gary saying it's got to be Tenali, Bruno, and Joe Linton. And you know, it, like we say, it, you would assume it's going to be definitely Joe Linton. And, uh, sorry, Tenali, Bruno. For me, it would be Joe Linton. I think for a lot of people, though, Sean Longstaff would get the nod. For others, it would be Willick because of the threat he, he adds. And now the only point there is that he doesn't score enough goals at all. But if Willick can add more goals to his game, then he's mm-hmm. going to be a shoe. And Elliot Anderson's another one. Like The options are there and it's really great to see. And, you know, what's really interesting is that Eddie Howe will go to them and say, look, you've got to prove to me that you are worth a starting place in this starting eleven because there's so many people... In many of the positions, wanting that 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 position, I mean, the competition is is absolutely fantastic, and that's just a sign of a, a really good side. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know we haven't even spoken about Lewis Smiley yet, who is coming through leaps and bounds. I'm not saying that he's going to start, but he's another player who can really sort of um, fight for his place in the coming months. I think. This team's got a really good team spirit and they all fight for each other and all love each other. But if I was Joel in this summer, this is a huge chance to knock Willick and Longstaff out of the team because they're both not fit at the minute. They're both not playing. And when you've got Bruno and Tonali, who we think are going to you know, walk into this team come August the 12th, Joel Litton has really got to be scrapping for that last spot. Um, but yeah, look, there's so many options. I mean, look, even even in the comments here, Ricardo saying no chance Longstaff doesn't start. There's be people who, you know, maybe in the minority, but a few people will be saying, well, we can't, you know, suddenly drop up Joe Willick after his recent form in months. So positive, positive options for how it have. You know, I wouldn't like to be him choosing um, the, the team this time next month, but you know, it's, it's a great headache to have. JB says, Big Joe is our best player at break and play up. And if necessary, kicking off, he definitely has that bit of bite about him. I mean, people in the comments are throwing Ellie Anderson and Lewis Miley into the conversation. And we, you know, let's talk about them because Elliot Anderson, he's been heavily involved in the game so far, and he looks as good as we all think he can be. We said this was a big summer for him. 
we said a few months ago that if he's not going to be offered a real chance of first-team football this season, he has to go out on loan. We know Eddie Howe shut down any chance of that in January and the summer before. It's great to see him getting his opportunity. And I tell you what, you know, we're talking about, you know, the likes of uh, Sean Longstaff and, and Joe Willick and even Joe Linton worrying, you know, about about their positions. But I tell you, Ellie Anderson can definitely come in and sneak in, um, whether it be a centre role or out on the left. He's looking at home in both. And if he starts against Villa on the first day of the season, you wouldn't be upset and you wouldn't be surprised. No, absolutely. And I think, I know we've just spent the last 23 minutes saying, don't look too far into pre-season, don't stress about it too much. But I do think one thing that has been very telling is that Elliot Anderson has started all three games so far. He was absolutely crucial in the fight back at Gateshead, really stamped his mark on that game. Impressed um, in the middle against Rangers, really, really good. And last night he looked, you know, as good as we've ever seen him. You know, me and Lee Ryder both got a chance to speak to him after the Gateshead game and, and we asked him, you know, you know, do you feel at home in this team now? Is there any chance that you're going out on loan? And he's and he's basically said that he's here to stay. And I think that's the right decision. I think, you know, he's proven in the last couple of months that he can really mix it with the best. We're starting to see really, really big strides of improvement in front of goal, which he said last week after Gates said he said that um, you know, he wants to add goals to his game. And I think if he does you know, he's going to potentially be knocking Willick and Longstaff out the team because, you know, they don't add enough in front of goal. Um, really, really pleased for him on a personal level. He's really fought hard to to stay in that team after a good loan spell at Bristol. Um, and look, he, if he keeps this up for the next few weeks, I think I think a lot of people are going to be sticking him in there, starting 11 for the, for the Villa game. Yeah, I mean, look, he's got the desire to go forward with the ball he can pick a pass he can he can shoot he's not afraid to take a, a pop of goal he looks strong he gets in uh, in the faces of the opposition and he's still so so young as well but he just doesn't look out of place and Eddie Howe must be just looking at that and thinking it's exactly what this side needs and Lewis Miley as well he just he, he he just he's another one who again if he started against Aston Villa would you really be sitting there thinking that's a bad call because, again, the brief appearances that he's made for Newcastle, he looks streets ahead of his actual age. He looks streets ahead of every single player that's coming up from the under-21s. They all must be looking at him, including his brother, Jamie, who's a bit older, and saying, you know, we really, really need to follow this guy's footsteps because he looked very, very comfortable against Gator. I know it's obviously National League opposition. Um, and he came on last night and he did not look out of place. And I mean, at 17 years old, it's quite remarkable. Um, and even against Chelsea on the last day last season, he didn't look out of place. It, it's really good to actually see another academy graduate coming up. Um, how loves him. Are we going to see maybe a situation like we saw with Anderson, you know, two years ago where he's doing really well, he's progressing from the under-21s and he's in and around the first team, but a loan move is more beneficial, maybe. Um but I think a League One or even a Championship club might take a punt on him because he was, you know, he's proven that he can he can cut it with the best so far. Yeah, and he's just not afraid to shoot at goal, and that's what that's what you like. Uh, ben Dawson has come out and and said, you know, these players in in the academy they've got to be memorable. They've got to do something memorable to seize their opportunity. And you know, Miley and Anderson, they're doing that. You know, Remy Savage. Alex Smith, they're all over there on the US tour as well. So the door is open. It's down to these players to seize the opportunity. 
Um, and I don't think you can say fairer than that. You know, if you do a good job, the pathway is there to, to first-team football. It's going to be very interesting to see whether Miley does go out on loan and then also what happens to the other youngsters. Because um, I'm a big fan of Alex Murphy. I think he's got yeah. a big future ahead of he's him. really good um, at kids as well. But we've seen because, you know, Kel Watts was held up as potentially this first-team centre-back. I know he had a hard time with, with injuries, uh, but he's set to go, isn't he, on loan? And then that'll become a permanent deal um, is, is, is what's being reported. And it shows you, it's it kind of alluding to what Ben Dawson's talking about. It comes in the blink of an eye, doesn't it, these opportunities? So, you know, we're talking about the likes of Remy Savage or Alex Murphy or uh, Amadou Diallo, um, you know, who captained uh, the under-21s last season. They have to take their opportunities um, because otherwise you will end up out out, out of, of the club, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been really promising to see the last couple of weeks how many youngsters have got a chance at, you know, Murphy, as I said, looked really good. Um, in the second half of Gateshead, Jay and Cook took his goal very well. They've obviously been included on the US tour, which will be great experience for them. Um, but then you look behind that and there's obviously been a lot of, I wouldn't say big names, but recognisable names left behind. Lucas De Ball, who scored against, uh, sorry, who played against Carlisle on, on Saturday. These players have really got to try and step up now this season. But, you know, there's only really a handful. I think Miley, as I said, is is streets ahead. I think Murphy looks like he could be a really assured option if he keeps growing the way he does. Um, there's options there. There is options. And, and we haven't said that, you know, too often in the last couple of years. And I think, you know, the further into this journey we go, we're going to see more players like that. The amount of attention and money that's been spent on the academy. Dan Ashworth really trying to, you know, strengthen Ben Dawson's side um, with good additions from around the country and, and, and beyond. Um, as I say, it's just good to finally see some of these youngsters getting a chance in and around the first team. Yeah, most certainly. And it's down to them to take the opportunity. Philip says, Miley seems to cover the ground effortlessly and looks so composed on the ball. Big lad for 17. Also, I mean, one of the questions we're getting uh, quite a lot in the chat is about uh, Grand QL and, and what is happening with him. There was a story on our website uh, yesterday. It is the understanding that he's, he's, he's close to a loan deal. Um, which is interesting because, again, if you're looking at players of that age bracket who are likely to seize their chance or be given a chance to show what they can do, you would have thought Granquiol would have been one of them. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me too much that, that he's going out on loan. I think that was always the plan after he struggled at heart. But I, I will say it is maybe a little bit surprising that he hasn't been involved at, at any of the games so far. I think you know when he was left out at Gator, I thought there maybe might be a loan move in the off and ready to go, signed and sealed. Um, but as you say, you know, the story we had on our website yesterday, Matty Hewitt was was speaking to representatives close to him and they say that he's on the way out, but, you know, nothing's really confirmed. So, interesting, you know, you've got to be patient with him. He's young, he's coming from Australia, he's got to, you know, he's got to try and get minutes under his belt. It didn't work out in Scotland. Hopefully this loan deal is, is better suited to him. Um, and him and, and Minter, who are, they obviously signed from Danish side or Dens, they can both prove what they can do before coming back next season and, and hopefully fighting for a, a spot in the first team. Yeah, we've just got to hope, you know, we're talking so favourably about these youngsters that we're not sat here in 18 months' time and 90% of them have, have been released by the club and haven't made it because we have sat here previously and I could list off tons of names of players that we thought were going to make, you know, Tom Herdman, for example, Adam Campbell, if you go way back when, 
you know, and unfortunately, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. So there has to be um, hope that, that doesn't happen this time around. But you do have that hope because you know what Dan Ashworth can do. You know what he did at Brighton. You know what Eddie Howe's like. You know, you, I, I, it hasn't worked perfectly. QR being a, the prime example, you know, they, they have to make sure that these players get first-team football because otherwise their development is stunted. Um, so this time around, you're hoping, like the chap who's gone to fire Nord straight, straight away, if QR does go out on loan, they get minutes under the belt because that's the only way they're going to develop. Martin says the future looks so strong with the players coming through at the club. Um, yeah, you know, big, big features, hopefully, for these players that we're chatting about. Let's just briefly talk about the striking situation. Isaac picked ahead of Callum Wilson, and Callum Wilson comes off the bench, uh, both on the score sheet. Do you read anything into that? Like, because again, there's all this conversation about it, the two of them aren't going to start together come competitive football. What's how going to do is again, is he just testing the water and seeing and seeing which one works more favorably in this formation? Yeah, I think so. I think, as you said, I, I can't see them both starting together. I think it's just good that they've both picked up where they left off last season and they're both scoring goals. Doesn't matter who starts. I mean, Wilson is making a habit of coming off the bench and finding the net pretty quickly, which is exactly what you want from you know someone who we think is going to be the second-choice striker this season. I think Isaac looks as good as he has done. He, he was very, very good in the last stages against Rangers. Um, I thought he looked sharp last night. There's so many times they could have played the ball over the top room and he was trying to break the lines. Um, I think, again, we're going to see a season of them probably rotating. You're going to have to when they're, when they're playing four competitions and hopefully going deep in, in quite a few of them. Um, and I think Wilson knows that even if he's not first choice, he's going to get the minutes in, in plenty of games from the start. Yeah, I mean, and it shows you how well Villa did for a large part of the game last night that Isaac was really forced to drop deep. He looked frustrated at times, but yeah. then on the other hand, you know, as well as Villa did kind of suffocate Newcastle, there were plenty of opportunities Newcastle did get the ball over the top. Some questionable offside decisions on some of the runs. Um, no VAR, of course. But yeah, Newcastle, I, I tell you what, actually, if you're Liverpool, if you're Tottenham, if you're Chelsea, I, I think you watch that game, uh, Newcastle-Villa, and you sit up and you go, yeah, next season's not going to be easy to get back into the top six, let alone the top four, because Villa have bought really, really sensibly. Newcastle have really... I think you've got two... Teams there with two good managers, good squads, good transfer approach, good projects. And I think both teams will be uh, battling. And if they're not in the top six next season, I'd be, I'd be very surprised. On paper for both clubs, it's looking like they're being ran in the perfect fashion. I mean, Emery, the job he's done at Villa is absolutely phenomenal. As you say, they're signing really, really clever players. I mean, Thielman's on a phrase a great deal. Moussa Diaby is, is fantastic. You look how are you, how are you feeling? Are you, are you, are, did you shed a little tear? Oh, you know what it was? I'm glad that he didn't play last night because I would have been, I would have been weeping, but I just got you've left, you've left the blue tack marks on the wall where you've ripped the poster off. <laughs> still, you can see them, mate. No, I've said all along, he's going to be a flop in the Prem. We just need to hope that he flops for Villa. But, but they are, they're, they're making, you know, very, very shrewd signings. Emery's got them playing fantastic football. McGinn was talking about it last night, the way that it, they sort of play this box formation in midfield, which seems to bamboozle teams, bamboozle Newcastle last night. I think Villa are really want to watch, but thankfully, you know, Newcastle are, are signing equally good players as well. 
Newcastle liked Mr. Diaby. They looked at him a heck of a lot. They linked with him again this summer. Obviously, he's ended up as Villa there, as we've mentioned, for their record fee as well. Why do you think Newcastle backed off this one? Is it as simple as it was Diaby or Harvey Barnes and they've gone for Harvey Barnes and that's as black and white as it is? Or do you think there's a bit more to read into it? Look, I think last summer when they really, really pushed from, they felt they wanted him. And I think, you know, Miggy maybe took the pressure off a little bit with that goal scoring run. You've now got Gordon who can play on the right if needed and play through the middle if needed. Barnes is more of a, you know, a typical St. Maximum replacement. He only ever plays down the left um, or he has done for the last couple of seasons. I am a bit surprised that they didn't go back in for him, but I think, you know, Barnes has cost slightly less. He can play in, you know, down that left-hand side. Was it a case of overkill anyway? I, I'm not too sure. But I think, you know, big, big statement from Villa to get him. And, you know, Diaby himself turned down a very big lucrative deal from PIF as well to join a, a, the Saudi team, you know, Al, um, Al-Halal. So, you know, big, big statement from him as well as the club. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he gets on. Uh, Jay says it was a great ball to Gordon by Lascelles. Um, he's been improved by that. A lot of people are saying actually Lascelles did really well when he we came on. Yeah, it was a kind of a Fabian Cher-esque kind of pass, wasn't it? It was, it was absolutely lovely. Um, and a lot's been mentioned about Jamal Lascelles being linked to Luton, being linked to, to West Ham. There was a great moment, which I'm sure you guys are all well aware of, when Eddie Howe grabbed the mic at the end of a press conference and, 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 and you know, really bigged up Jamal Lascelles, who had spoken so well in those kind of 10 minutes um, prior to Eddie Howe's move. You know, he's a great club captain. Um, what 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 do you think the future holds for uh, Jamal Lascelles? If I'm completely honest, I think Saturday's press conference where Howe spoke of, you know, so nicely about Lascelles and grabbed the mic when he didn't need to, I think that was a sort of a sign that um that, that he's gonna uh, that he's gonna stay put. I think um, you know, as we've said earlier in the summer, the decisions up to Lascelles. If he wants to go, I think the door's open for him. But I think on Saturday we saw how sort of coming out and saying, you know, he is the captain off the pitch. He does so much for this dressing room. If he wants to stay, there's a place for him. And he only played a handful of games last year. And, you know, a few of them were against Manchester City and Liverpool. And he, and he didn't do too bad. He played very, very well last night when he came on. The defence looked so much more solid when he was in it. Um, I would like to see him stick around as cover this season. Sorry, it's like Piccadilly Circus in my house. As as you would expect with a newborn, everyone just like rushes in from the postman to me father. So yeah, we go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did a, a YouTube video uh, a couple of weeks back about Jamal Cells, you know, because you guys, the listeners and, and visitors to our website, took part in a survey and overwhelmingly said Jamal Cells needs to go. For me, though, unless he's pushing to go, he stays because he, he offers not just that leadership off the pitch, but he offers a really good alternative. And look, he's not the best centre-back in the world, but I don't think he's too far behind Fabian Cher. Obviously, he's nowhere near the level of Botman, but I think when you look at what Newcastle need to do in the transfer market, you know, to keep Jamal Lascelles for another season is a stopgap, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a welcome stopgap because then you're not that worried about, you know, someone having to step up or, you know, you spending three, four million on someone who can't really cut it. You know what you're getting with Lascelles. 
Yeah, I think look, football fans are a fickle bunch, and I think when you've when you've watched a player spend all season on the on the subs bench and you know play five or six games, it, it's only natural that the overwhelming majority are going to say get rid. He doesn't have a future at the club, but you know that's not how Eddie Howe works. He, he's got so much respect for Lascelles and those senior players um, who do so much off the pitch. Matt Ritchie being one of them as well. Paul Dummett, no doubt as well, a huge presence in the dressing room. Um, and as you say, if Lascelles does does leave this summer, Newcastle are then, you know, having to buy another centre-back on top of the left-back that they want, on top of the right-back that they want behind Trippier. All of a sudden, it's not sustainable. So, as I said earlier in the summer, I think, as, as Howe made it clear over the weekend, I think if Lascelles wants to stay, which he looks like he does, the way he was talking, I think there's always going to be a place for him at, at the club. He's not going to get another chance of Champions League football, is he? So, he probably will stay in... And, you know, be there when, when called upon. Les says Lascelles comes into the team and looks match fit despite limited minutes. It's a testimony to our training regime and couldn't really say it better than that, Les. Um, exactly that, you know, he's, he's clearly working hard in, in, in training and, you know, just doing what the manager wants him to do. So when he is called upon, he can step up. Um, let's talk about Anthony Gordon. He had a fantastic uh, summer with, with England. And then it's just he's just continued in the same um, vein of form. I mean, the way he played when he came off the bench and was introduced uh, yesterday, you can see he, he's just he's just continuing in the same fashion. Just a player absolutely full of confidence. I've never seen him dribble like this. He just looks like every time he picks the ball up, he knows he's going to beat his man. He knows he's going to get in the box. I think you know he should have probably had a penalty last night. Um, he might have if they are being involved in the game. I feel like we're just repeating ourselves with Gordon. We just can't wait to see him, you know, when the season starts after a full pre-season of how. And I think he could have had an extra couple of weeks off after the Euros and he decided he didn't want it, which shows he wants to be in and around this team. And I think given the competition for places in his position, he needs to be in and around that team, making sure he's continuing this good form and, and impressing how. And he looked very good when he came um, off the bench last night. And I think... If he can keep this up, um, I think he's. I think we've got a good player on our hands. Uh, yeah, I do. And I, we've always said a full preseason under Eddie Howe, and then you judge him because you know he'll be at the level, or he would be, he would have had the opportunity to get himself up to the level of fitness and performance that Eddie Howe expects. It was a bit difficult when he comes in from Everton, who were just cut adrift, really chaotic. You know, he wasn't fit or at least to the stand of Eddie Howe. So you judge him after he's had that full summer under Howe. And look, I think he's going to have a fantastic season. It's just a question of, of where he plays. Stephen says if Gordon was Maxi, you'd be saying he has no end product, which I think is a little bit unfair. I, I um, don't agree with that. I think, I think Gordon in the last couple of months, ever since sort of the last two or three games of the season now, I think he's looked a lot more potent. I think he's looked a lot more dangerous in front of goal than Maxi has in about two years. Um, I think we're starting to see real sort of clever decision-making from him in the final third. He's looking like he's getting in the right positions. We saw that at Chelsea. We saw it last night where he set up Wilson's goal. Um, I'm, just, I'm just so excited to see, you know, have a full Premier League season with us. He just looks fitter. He just, I mean, that's the starting point. He just looks fitter and quicker, and it's absolutely fantastic, as you say, to see. Um, Harvey Bonds then, 38 million, 40 million, it's one that's split opinion. I said a few weeks ago, you know, 
if it's good enough, Eddie Howe and Newcastle United, you trust them because they've got very little wrong, if anything, at all in the transfer market. And okay, it's not a name that's going to set the world alight. It's not a name that's going to get on the back pages. But they've seen enough in him to convince the Manisterian court to sign the cheque. And you just got to trust the process. And, and for me, he scores goals in the Premier League. And that's something Newcastle have been lacking in that position. He's 25. Okay, they've maybe paid a bit more because he's English, perhaps. You do have that bit of a tax. And maybe you've got the Newcastle tax as well. But look, if, if Eddie Howe wants him, then you just trust the process. Yeah, as as the time has went on with with Barnes, I've become more and more pleased with the signing. I think when he first got linked, I was you know I was more than happy for Newcastle to sign him. But then, you know, it was something me and Sam Mulder discussed on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Is he a you know noticeable upgrade on on Maxi like Chiesa would have been, or like you know the the young Napoli lad would have been? He's a quiet upgrade, I think. Yeah, I think that's the point I'm making. No, but the more I look at it, I think he's actually a, a really big upgrade. I think. Yeah, I think he actually is. I think when you boil down at the stats, he scores more goals, he scores more assists. He's so much fitter. You know, he plays a lot more games because he doesn't pick up injuries left, right and centre. Um, and I just think, I, I know you can't base it all on goals, but I think in this Eddie Howe team, he's going to offer, you know, goals from that wide up, which we haven't really had apart from Maxi, uh, sorry, Miggy last season. Um I'm really, really excited about it. And as I say, you know, as the times went on, I, I seem to be getting more excited about it. I didn't realize how quick he was. I think there's just so much to like about him. Um, and I think you only have to look at what Eddie Howe's done with the young players in this team at the minute. The level he could take Harvey Barnes to, it, it, you know, there's just no ceiling, really. Yeah, 100%. And it was funny because when talks intensified last week, there were a lot of fans from other teams saying you someone tell Newcastle they've got money to spend and it's like your mind just kind of explodes it's like they go out and they're linked to to xyz big name players who are going to cost 100 million and it's like on oh, Newcastle are buying the league then they go and buy someone who like it doesn't grab the headlines and cost you 30 40 million it's like well you're not spending enough guys it's utterly bizarre but the bottom line is Eddie Howe Steve Nixon Dan Ashworth they will have documents upon documents on uh, Harvey Barnes. This is how he fits into this position. This is how he fits into that position. This is why he's an upgrade on St. Maxwell. This is why he's an upgrade on Gordon, Miggy. You know, this is why he's coming to this side. You know, Do I trust them over some blogger from my United? 100%. 100%. All, it's almost as if Newcastle United fans can't win, really. But um, no, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I think... Um, you know, this transfer team, this transfer committee that, you know, work around Eddie Howe, they have not put a foot wrong so far, give or take, you know, maybe Chris Wood or, you know, you can argue whether they've been a 100% success, but more times than not, they get it absolutely bang on. And I think on the flip side, um, Harvey Barnes has had other suitors this summer and I think it's telling that he was so keen to come to Newcastle. I think obviously Champions League footballers, has uh, enhanced that but you know our colleague Kieran Kelly wrote a great piece the other day about how you know they had a dossier on him when he came up to have talks and how uh, Barnes was really impressed with sort of the meticulous nature that Newcastle had put in to signing them I think it's very telling that Dan Ashworth isn't in America right now with the rest of the team because he's too busy getting these type of deals done um, 
I think he's going to be a real success. I'm really excited to see him. I think he instantly walks into that team on the on the left hand side, even though there's a um, you know sort of a real uh, competition for places there. And I, I'm just again like like Gordon. I'm excited to see um, him when the Premier League football rolls around next month. 27 goals over the last three Premier League seasons. Only Kane, Son, Salah, Watkins, and Rashford have scored more. Now you've got to remember that Leicester, who obviously got relegated last season, scored 13 last season. Look, the point is he knows where the back of the net is. He's quick. Uh, as Stephen says, he anyone who watched Leicester play over the past three seasons would have targeted Barnes. He's utter quality. Jory Tune for life says the player will be much quicker with Barnes due to the fact he's a pass and go player rather than Maxi who held on the ball so he could dribble, slowing the attack down. Let's get on to the St. Maximum debate. Before we even talk about the price tag and the complaints from other clubs, a lot of the debate on social media has been, is he an upgrade on St. Maximum? You're, you're selling a maverick. You're selling this player that very few fullbacks can handle and bringing in Harvey Barnes, which I think is utterly unfair because for me, it's not a, it's not as black and white as that. You know, it's about what benefits the team. You know, with with Harvey Barnes, he fits exactly what Eddie Howe wants. Discipline. He'll track back. He'll make the right move. And he'll help the team go forward. With Maxi, you never knew what he quite was going to do. And I think that doesn't sit well with Eddie Howe. Great to watch when it comes off. But how often does it come off? You know what I mean? I think that's why, for me, there's no... There's no question. This is totally the right move for Newcastle United. Harvey Barnes in, Alan Maxman out. I think if you strip it back, and I think if if you just looked at Maxi's stats without actually knowing it was Maxi, you would think you know Newcastle have got to get rid of this this player. He doesn't score enough goals. He doesn't assist. He doesn't say fit enough. And I just want to carry out this by saying, if Maxi had stayed this summer, I would have been fine. I, I, I was you know happy for Maxi to stay. I like him. I think. When he's fully fit, we saw last season at times he was he was a, an asset. But there's so many question marks that hang over him that don't hang over someone like Barnes. How many times have said he doesn't fit this house system? How many times have said he doesn't give, give Dan Byrne enough cover? He doesn't defend enough? Doesn't score enough goals? How many times have said he doesn't stay fit enough? He's not consistent enough? <sighs> we can talk about the fee all day long. We can talk about him going to Saudi. We can talk about how much he's worth. But I think ultimately... Newcastle are upgrading this summer in that position. I think even if they didn't sign Harvey Barnes, I think Gordon is, is I know it's early days, but he's proven to be a really good alternative to Maxi in that position if I wanted it to be. I don't know. I just think, I think Maxi's gone. He's given us some great memories. I would have loved to see him play Champions League football, but I don't think I'm going to lose much sleep over the fact that he's, that he's left the club. I think it shows you that anyhow is not all that sentimental. Because as you said there, it would have been great to see him play Champions League football. He was the one that really dragged Newcastle through the dark times under Steve Bruce and Mike Ashley. Um, and it would have been nice, but there's no room for that kind of emotion in, in football. It, he's been sacrificed for the good of the club, the money it's going to bring in. And yeah, you know, it, I was having a conversation the other day and someone was harked back, you know, oh, he's, he's a fantastic player, he's great. And the example they gave was Cal Water against Manchester City. I just yeah. sat there and said, well, there you go. That That's exactly why Eddie Howe isn't losing too much sleep over selling Alan St. Maxim because the point that you're making, the game that you're giving as evidence happened in, back in August. And I know he had injuries and what have you, but 
that is the point. Consistency is not in the vocabulary of Alan St. Maxman. It is in Harvey Barnes. 27 goals over three seasons in a pretty poor side. I think he'll hit the ground running. The only question is, is he a starter? Does he start? Yeah, you, right? I, I, I think he does. I think I think if he can get up to speed, I mean, I know he played last night for 20 minutes. He hasn't trained a lot with Leicester recently. He hasn't trained at all with Newcastle. Is it going to be a Bruno type thing where he has to have a couple of weeks or months to get up to speed? I don't know. I think if he's fully fit and firing and in this team, I think he starts. I think he's... I think I'm really, really excited by it. And I just think going back to Maxi, you you made a great point there about Walker and the game against City. Everybody talks about that goal he scored at Wolves last season. That was in August as well, and it was the last goal he scored in a Newcastle shirt. He just didn't do it enough. Um, and it's funny because people are harking back to when Andy Cole was was sold and what have you. It's, it's like, come on, guys. It's, it's nowhere near that. It's, it's it, night and day, really, isn't it? It's, you know... Yeah, I mean, thank you to St. Maximum, but not losing too much sleep over it. The complaints or report complaints uh, from other Premier League sides on the deal filing St. Maximum, they want to see why he's going to be worth, was it 35 to 40 million? I'm in the camp, as I think a lot of people are. When you compare the price tags that have been paid for other players, is it overvalued? Because I don't really think it is. If you look at it in the context of it, yeah, the, there's always going to be you know a little bit of contention around Newcastle selling or buying players from Saudi Arabia. It's just going to be the way the game goes. But I don't really think other clubs can really moan that Newcastle United are you know bending the rules by selling Maxi over there when really he's probably being undervalued. Don't think his full market value is being met if he's going for 25, 30 million. I also think. Um, when you look at what Chelsea have been doing, you know, selling half their team to Saudi Arabia to fund, you know, a two hundred million pound spending spree last season. Liverpool are on the cusp of potentially losing two of their, you know, starting midfielders to Saudi Arabia. Other clubs don't really have a leg to stand on in the Premier League when they're selling, you know, old players for a lot more than they should. And I think Saudi Arabia, for reporter to be believed, are potentially going to sign Kylian Mbappe for one season for 300 million or from 700 million for that one year in wages. And yet, somehow, Newcastle United are the ones that are ruining football. I don't know. I think, I think, I need to, I think we need to zoom out a little bit and look at the and look at the wider implications of it. Yeah, it's kind of phrase. He's only 26. Yeah, they say he is undervalued for sure. And you mentioned Liverpool there. It is, it's hypocritical. I think I think it has to be. I, I, I'm not against the questions being asked because I think you need to be transparent and you need to be open about these things. And anyhow, was asked about it in a press conference, wasn't he, before the game against Aston Villa? Um, and he said, "You know, we're all governed by the same rules that every other uh, team is regarding deals. I'm sure uh, we'll meet every criteria needed to make sure the deal is above board and done properly." So I, I don't think he's against people looking into. But he's confident everything's going to be done right. The issue is, yeah, like you said, the hypocrisy of the teams. I mean, Jordan Henderson, 12 million. Okay, maybe that's undervalued. But I also think if you're going to bring up price tags, you have to look at wages because there's no way some of these players are heading to Saudi Arabia without being paid 250000 300000 a week. So does that not come into the overinflated price when you're, when you're bringing up Newcastle? 
for me, if if the Saudi Pro League hadn't exploded as it has in the last couple of months, and all of a sudden a team in Saudi Arabia were wanting to sign St Maximum, I'd think, okay, maybe there's something a little bit dodgy here. But I think when you look at the players that have been signing, the type of players they want, I mean, they're getting Riyad Mahrez, they're potentially getting Mbappe, they've got Benzema. They're getting not just players over the hill, they're getting players in their peak. If Newcastle all of a sudden start trying to sell Jeff Hendrick to Al Halal for 25 million, I think maybe there's a big issue there. And I think also if Newcastle suddenly get players like Ruven Neves and and players like that on loan, I think I think we're beyond the, you know, I think the line's being crossed. But I think I don't really see how people can moan that Newcastle are selling one of their only sellable assets at 26 years old for only 30 million when they bought them for 25 years ago. I think they're being shafted a little bit. Yeah, we're going to do a video later in the month regarding those players who have moved to uh, the Saudi Pro League and we're going to go through them and, and, and ask the question, would Newcastle have taken them and see what we come up with? But we might actually wait until the middle of next month because I suspect that's going to rumble on the players at Saudi Arabia try and buy. So one to watch there. Just quickly, Aaron, we were talking about strikers before. Eddie Howe again was asked about it this week and he said, uh, we've got two top players, that's Isaac and Wilson. Behind him, you've got Anthony Gordon, or behind them, you've got Anthony Gordon. With the price of front players being so high, I don't think that's an area of the budget we can go into this summer. Do you take that as face value? Because also in that press conference, he said nothing was imminent, nothing was close. Harvey Bond signs 24 hours. Like, I still think they need another striker. I get that Anthony Gordon's name being put forward. But I still would like an out-and-out striker to come in. I also get the budgetary constraints he's talking about. What do you make of that? Is a response to that question? I just think, as you said, we learned on Saturday night. You just can't really take too much of what House says, you know, seriously. I mean, the fact that he was asked about Harvey Barnes on Saturday night when Harvey Barnes had flown or was probably in the air flying to Philadelphia, and he said, "Oh, well, he's he's a Leicester City player. I can't really talk about him." It's frustrating as a journalist who speaks to Howe on a regular basis. You, know, you want a little bit more truth out of him, but I understand from his point of view, he's got to protect the club. And, and I just think there maybe isn't there isn't too much point asking about transfers. If he told you today was was no, if he told you today was Monday, would you would you question him? Yeah, absolutely. If I was looking outside and it was sunny and he told me that it was raining, I'd be a bit like. Mm. Just on the on the strike and the striker, I mean. Can you see one coming in after he said that? Do you think they need it? I know you, you're you a big advocate for Anthony Gordon being the, the, the third choice. Yeah. Um, look, I think I think there's certainly a need for more players. I just think, you know, we're approaching the halfway stage in the window and Newcastle probably need a right back, sorry, a left back much more than that. I would argue that they probably do need another backup right back if Mankio and Ashby have to leave. Centre back could be a you know a place that they need to strengthen. I'm just not sure. As I've said all summer, I'm just not sure how far up the list it is. But look, if there's a deal to be done, I'm sure Newcastle will explore it. But I think it's it's taken a lot of pressure off the fact that Gordon can can play in that role if needed. Yeah, and Andy Gordon's the prime example of when a deal is there to be done. Newcastle will more than likely make the move. Before we've got some trivia that we're going to finish off on, Aaron, but. I just want to ask you the question of, of of where's next in the transfer market for Newcastle United. Now they've signed Harvey Barnes. What are you expecting to come up next? Uh, look, I think I think they're definitely going to focus on another defensive asset. I think 
they're not going to go away quietly in the terms of Livermore. But also, Southampton are really sticking at their guns and trying to squeeze every penny out of um, out of them. I think next, ultimately, before they before they do too much more income and business, I think they need to get some of these players off the off the wage budget. I think we need to see the likes of Carl Darlow and Isaac Hayden and Jeff Hendrick and Jamal Lewis leave, as well as Maxi. Um, but I certainly think the fullback is where they're going to be looking next. Interesting. And now we're going to do some quick fire questions from our uh, viewers on Twitter. So Ian Crow asks, how worried would you be if Newcastle haven't signed a left back when the window closes? Just briefly, because we've already talked about it, but just sum up your thoughts. Look, I think I think in an ideal world, they get another left back in. Um, if for some reason they don't, I don't think it should be panic stations given, given that they've got Burn target. Matthew says, any news on what is happening with the training kit sponsors? I mean, a lot of people have been talking about this. For me, I think I'm I'm going to go out and buy one because I think it looks really nice without a sponsor. Obviously, from a commercial point of view, you want to seize every opportunity. What do you think has gone on there? Are you foreseeing when the season kicks off, we're likely to see maybe a, a sponsor appear on these shirts? Yeah, absolutely. I think you only got to look at um, other clubs in the Premier League. I think Manchester United get something ridiculous like... 10 or 20 million pounds a season for their training kit sponsor, um, Tezos, if I'm not wrong. So there's certainly scope to add a little bit more to the budget there if they can get another deal in. I think it's quite telling that they've left that blank in, in pre-season games. Callum says, if you could make one change to St. James's Park, excluding expansion, what would it be? I saw I saw this on Twitter when it got asked and I was really, really puzzled by it. Um Look, I think get a Greg's think, in. Get a Greg's in. Yeah, a Greg, a Greg's would be very good. Actually, to be fair, maybe a Greg's in the press box would be decent. <laughs> um, I think. I think. Look, a fan zone would be really good. I think. You know, you did a podcast with, with Stu Jameson last month about it. I think it remains to be seen what type of fan zone they're going to put in. Is it going to be for kids? Is it going to be sort of a place for adults to go and have a pre-match drink? Is it going to be for both? I think whatever they do with it, I think that would be a really, really good, um, really good sort of use of the stadium on on match days. Yeah, and a lot of people have been praising kind of the American stadium and what's on offer, uh, you know, before games there. So obviously Newcastle have experienced that for themselves and Darren Eels, massive experience with Atlanta with that. So interesting, as Aaron says, to see what comes next. Scottish Mags says, uh, what happens with Lewis Miley? He's given you uh, two options. Keep him in progressing the youth team with some first-team appearances. Send him out on loan to develop as a first-team player. And he says, if it's the latter, send him out on loan, which club would you send him to? Um, Good question. I think if you keep him this summer... I think you've got to, you know, give him a good run in the Prem. I think you've got to find him minutes and competitions. I think you've got to, yes, play him in the 21s, but keep that as sort of a backup. Ideally, I think I would like to see him go out on loan. I think you've just got to, yes, he's played so well, he doesn't look out of place, but I think if he can play regularly at a team, maybe in, in the Scotland, uh, Scottish Premier League or in the Championship, I think, I think that would be good. Uh, we've got two people asking similar questions, Bill and Gareth. Doesn't the position Trippier played against Villa negate his strengths and expose his weaknesses? And Gareth adds, if we're going to try three at the back, will we go for another centre-back? Can Libermento play there as it's not Trippier's position? If if Newcastle stick with this three at the back, which which we don't think they will, but if they do and they go into the Premier League season with that, I think ultimately a new centre-back becomes priority number one. I don't think 
Lascelles, um, Botman and Cher as a three with no real cover apart from Burn would work. Um, on the Trippier question, I think, look, I, I, that was the first time, correct me if I'm wrong, people in the comments, but I've never seen him play, you know, on the right side of a back three before. Yes, maybe it, it doesn't play it with strengths because he can't go forward, he can't put crosses in, he can't play much in the attack and third. Um, but I think it's actually a positive to see that he was playing there last night. He was playing centre mid against Gateshead. He was playing right back against Rangers. You know, he can play anywhere really. He's that versatile. So I don't think we'll be seeing too much of a change in, in Trippier's position. An interesting one to watch. We've got uh, Willsey Baby asking, how will Newcastle line up? If Barnes is a starter, will Gordon move to the right, you think? I can't see them dropping Miggy, so I think it will have to be either Gordon or Barnes. It's interesting. I don't necessarily think Barnes is an out-and-out starter just because of the way Gordon's performing. It's going to be really interesting to see that team sheet come August the 12th. I think I think Gordon's proven, ultimately, I mean, he hasn't proven it in right midfield, but he's proven on the last day of the season that he can play in the centre. He can pr- he's proven at the Euros he can play up front. I don't think I don't think it would be you know too strange if we saw him on the other flank with Barnes, but I think as you say, Miggy is Miggy cemented his place in the last couple of weeks. He looked good in the first half against Rangers. I thought he looked decent last night at times. Good competition for how to have. And this leads on our penultimate question, Aaron, from Eric, who says um, his son was one of the mascots last night and got to walk out with Fabian Share. So uh, this is a shout out to Eric's uh, son. He asks Eric. He says. I know Newcastle need to rotate, but how is Eddie going to keep all these attackers happy with playing time? It's a key question. It's a a very good question. I think you've just got to look at what he did last season. I think you've got to look at what Callum Wilson was saying. These players know that they're going to get chances this season. These players know that they're at a Champions League club. I think I wouldn't be surprised that towards the end of the window, if that attack gets maybe thinned out a little bit, I think Miley maybe gets taken out of the equation. Um, you know, it doesn't look like at the stage that they're going to look for another attacker as well. So really, when push comes to shove and you're playing in four different competitions, that it might not be a case of keeping everyone happy because they're getting enough minutes anyway. Last question then before I get onto the trivia. F-Man says, interested to hear from you guys as to how many more you think Newcastle will bring in and who's your number one to go after. So how many more do I think they'll bring in? Two. I think Livermore will end up as a Newcastle United player. I think Southampton will end up dropping their price. And I think Livermore, the longer it goes on, I think he'll end up pushing for a move. And the other position, I still think a forward is necessary, but then we've heard what Eddie Howes had to say. I still think a defensive midfielder is necessary, but then I look at the options and think, goodness me, you know, they're going to be so oversubscribed in the middle of the park. A left back? In an ideal world, who? Uh, Henry from Brentford would be mine, but he's going to cost you an arm and a leg. I, I, I don't know. What about you, Aaron? I think I think two is probably right. I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and got a third on top of Barnes and Hart on Tonali as well. <sighs> look, if, if he's asking who the number one to go after is, I think if you're looking for a left-back and there's been little tentative inklings about this earlier in the summer, I think if you've, there's any chance of tempting Theo Hernandez from AC Milan, I think, You've got to try and push the boat out from. Ultimately, I don't think they'll they'll maybe have the capacity to do that. I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see them go back into Kieran Cherney uh, as the window progresses with Arsenal Dean to sell. 
But I think, as I've said earlier, I think defence needs to be the priority. And loan deals will be interesting as well. They're probably going to play a, a key role coming towards the end of the window as Newcastle look just to work a bit more clever in the budget. And of course, if they do sell any other players on top of St. Maxim, like we've mentioned, Jamal Lewis, uh, funds could be released into a pot in Newcastle and maybe we'll be able to go and spend a bit more money. Let's finish then on the trivia. Are you ready? This is a very quick one, difficult one. So people in the comments watching live do get involved and help Aaron out. So Newcastle have signed Harvey Barnes from Leicester City. I want you to name the other four players who have moved either to Newcastle from Leicester or from Newcastle to Leicester. I'm not going to take you back to the 50s and the 60s, Aaron. I'm going to take you back to the 1991-92 season. You weren't even born then. I was a matter. I don't even think I was born. I think I was I was a month away from being born, actually. Um there's four players since that 91-92, the end of that campaign, um, to have moved, let's say, vice versa. Can you name them? Perez is one. Yeah. Is Slamani one? Slamani's one. So you've got two, and there's like I say, there's four, so there's two, there's two um to go. And I'm guessing these these two are gonna be all those night are they both in the nineties? Uh one moved in two thousand three, four. So the okay. summer of 2003 and the other left in the summer of 92. I'm not really sure that date works. Well, I mean, one, one, when you're talking about a legend and a really important player, that's one of them. And the other guy is like, he's up there with uh, like, yeah. Again, you, I think some people would actually call him a legend. Two legends. Um I mean, this guy has had a flag waved by air war flags. He's had a he's had a Kelly. David Kelly moved to Leicester after helping Newcastle into the Premier League. Kevin Keegan brutally said, "On your way, lad," and he went down to Leicester. Um, And then just just some of two thousand and three. Now, this is like my favourite Newcastle era as well. I used to love that um, Bobby team. Did he did he join Newcastle or did he leave Newcastle? He left Newcastle to go to Leicester. And he was a legend. I think many people would class him as a legend, yeah. Do you know what? I'm going to correct myself before someone jumps in. I got the wrong way around, sorry. So this person did join... Joined Newcastle. Sorry, David Kelly, no, joined Newcastle from Leicester City. So before people jump in, I'm holding my hands up. I got that one wrong, but the answer was David Kelly. The guy you're looking for in left Newcastle to join Leicester City. I feel like I'm going to kick myself, but I can't get it. Scored in a time we had Derby. Shirt off. Derby's ass. Nick Ross, Derby's ass. Oh, I, I say without that clue, I wouldn't have got that. Out. I completely forgot that event last There time. we have it. So you had David Kelly joining Newcastle from Leicester in 91-92. I didn't realise he spent such little time in Newcastle, actually, David Kelly. Means his legendary status is all that more a bit impressive. Then Nikos Davidas left Newcastle to join Leicester City. Then Slomani uh, joined on loan and played a matter of minutes. Not even going to say games. And of course, Iosi Perez, £30 million, went to join a more ambitious club. And look what happened there. 
But this has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's a pleasure to be back. To you guys watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button and hit that thumbs up. To you guys listening on the podcast, please remember to subscribe. Leave us a written review um, if you get a chance as well. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news. We'll have all the build-up to Newcastle's next game against Chelsea. We've got Lee Ryder over in the States following Newcastle United around. And there's going to be plenty on our website to keep you guys uh, up to date with transfers and what have you should do head over to the website. From myself and Aaron, we'll see you very soon.